is the Live Life Aggressively Podcast. Sincere Hogan, that's me. Mike Mahler, the other dude on the other line. What's going on, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited about today's guest, just like I'm excited about every guest we have because we're just banging out high-quality guests every single week. As you folks know, we're getting – I think this is our highest downloaded month ever. Yeah, this month is a little ridiculous. So it's not not a bad way to start off one year you know, into this thing, man. This is you know, celebrating that, that one-year mark, and we, we're going out with a bang, and these numbers are ridiculous. And big shouts out to everybody that's been downloading and subscribing the show. And if you haven't subscribed, shame on you. Do that right now. Subscribe. Yeah. Hit that subscribe button because you don't want to miss what we have coming up, starting with the shows that you've already missed. But starting with today, it's going to just keep getting better and better. And next month, man, is ridiculous. That lineup is ridiculous. So look, folks, one thing about it, we're not bringing crappy people on the show. We're not just bringing any filler or anything like that. Every guest, high quality, top notch, sought after, and you're going to get something from each and every show, folks. So it's just not going to be just a bunch of BS and rambling on for hours upon hours, man, about nada. You know? Yeah, we, we, we save that for after the show. After exactly. <laughs> <laughs> some of the hey, some of that stuff, some of the, the best things that we put out there, man, that they'll never probably never hear. Some so. of those conversations are career ending ones. Exactly. Well. So it's a good thing. It's and a probably, good thing. And, and probably some friendship ending ones as well. <laughs> now everybody's thinking like, damn, are they talking about me? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, also, the thing is, when you a lot of us, a lot of people email us great feedback saying, "Oh, I love the show. You guys are killing it," and that's that's nice to hear. But go post it on iTunes or Stitcher where other people can see it exactly. because that helps us get the word out about the show. The more reviews we have, the better our ranking. The more people see it, the more excited they get. So we love getting the feedback, but share it with other people. Just take a minute or two to go on iTunes or Stitcher. We're not asking you to write a full 800-word review, just a couple sentences about what you like about the show. And don't forget to use coupon code LLA to, to get any of my products at 10% off my nutrition supplements, my videos, T-shirts, the whole shebang. It's just your way of supporting the show because we don't have any sponsors. We don't have any advertisers, and we don't want any because we don't want people trying to influence the show and tell us what we can or can't do because we know how that will end for them, not well. <laughs> exactly, and and that keeps us from spending 20 and 30 minutes pumping up somebody else's product when all you want to do is hear the content and we can get right to the point. Because I know right. how I feel when I listen to podcasts. I'm like, dude, really? You're going to spend 15 minutes talking about web hosting? How freaking exciting is web hosting? Get the hell out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> they can use that coupon code to get 10% off your products as well. Since exactly. So this, is, this is just a way of keeping the money internal. You're supporting us. You're supporting the show. It's win-win on all fronts. Indeed. All, All right, right, man. Let's, let's get it going. Yes, yeah, man. Well, today's guest is a good friend of mine, Josh Henkin, and he's very well known for the proliferation of effective sandbag training. So we're going to get into that quite a bit today. But he's a high-level strength coach, very well versed in kettlebell training, all facets of athletic training, and it's just a pleasure to have him on the show today. We know you're going to love it, Josh. How you doing today, man? Good, guys. I appreciate it. It's a lot to live up to now that I know that this has been a good month for you. Hopefully, you don't bring it down. <laughs> yeah, it may be a turning point, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this, this may be a lighter debarkation word. I, I, I kind of sense that Fonzie may be jumping that shark. I, oh, see him. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not to be the wink wink in the chain. 
<laughs> no, actually, I'm looking at your book right now, DVRT, the Ultimate Sandbag Training System, and just I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but I read a good chunk of it yesterday, and I, I think you did a great job with explaining the benefits of sandbag training, your system, your unique system, which we'll talk about today. And then what I was happy to see is a bunch of programs because a lot of books they they give you all this great information, and then there's there are no tips on how to execute. How do you implement this? How do you get this thing going? How do you implement it into your regimen? And I, I was happy to see, because Dragondor is your publisher, that John has reduced his ad copy to only 10 pages in the back of the book, down from 30 from back in the good old days. <laughs> well, we were just trying to reach 300 pages, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and the, the font size is, is not small, but at least it's not 50 words per page. So this, <laughs> this is a legitimate, let's see, 200-plus-page 200 200 book of good information here. <laughs> how, did, how did this whole thing happen, Josh? How did you get this deal with Dragon Door, the publishing deal? Uh, you know, I, I um, really wanted to start really getting platforms to espouse our, our training system and, and what we actually are about because a, a lot of people think we're and assume that we're about the implement, and the implement is only as strong as the system is, uh, that we use. Um, and we've had some wonderful platforms to do it through different mediums like NSCA events, perform better summits. And I really wanted to get uh, and something easier in people's hands because I know a lot of those forums are just for fitness professionals or strength coaches. And I wanted, you know, I thought our system really went beyond that to, you know, help out a lot of people. And so, you know, John and I talked about, you know, is this something that would make sense to, to the Dragon Door community? He was really excited about it. So, you know, I'm thankful for the opportunity. And uh, like you said, I, I'm, I hope it came, came out to be a really good resource in a lot of different ways. And to be honest, we wanted to do sort of an introduction and touch a lot of the high points. But we also wanted to leave a lot more of the program. So uh, as people get used to the foundations, you know, there were still places that they can go with the, the program. Yeah, it's cool stuff. I mean, I, I've known I've known you for a long time, and I remember when you first started going down this path of creating mm -hmm. this system. And I was at your house actually. We taught a course together in Arizona and Phoenix, and you had just gotten your first model of the sandbags. You just put out your first video, and it was it was you had a long road ahead of you, and you knew it. You know? <laughs> I, I think I had hair back then too. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say I knew Josh when he had hair. Exactly. I, I don't know what, which is the byproduct, the length of time that we've known each other, or the the, the process that's been. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it wasn't something where someone else had, like, for example, kettlebell, the, the kettlebell system was in place and I came into that. So it's, it was a lot easier for me to take that and put my own touch on it and run with it rather than you have to conceptualize a whole system, put it together and then build awareness, everything about it. How, how was, how was that journey for you? How long did it take to really get this system out there? Um, we're still going, right? Um, it's, you know, we started back, you know, you're, you're talking right, right around 2005. Right, exactly. And, you know, the system really, I would say we really got a good grasp on it probably about four years ago. And, you know, everyone's so kind to, to remind me that I'm not the first person or I didn't develop sandbag training. <laughs> right, exactly. And, um, <laughs> you know, they're right. And what I often tell people is, you know, I never you know, promote myself as, as the creator of sandbags, you know, and I said, you know, what I do remind them of it is that, you know, sandbags have been around for such a long time, yet they've never been a foundation to strength conditioning programs. And so that led me to believe there's three issues. Either sandbags don't work, uh, you know, the system of implementation was flawed and or the tool was problematic. And I really think it's a function of the last two. And so our, our system, as you mentioned, has also been evolving because the implement has gotten better and as the implement has gotten better we've been able to really problem solve and program um, far more effectively and get the results that we were aiming to achieve 
Yeah, yeah, because had, four, oh, oh, go ahead. Sincere. No, because you had you've had those folks. Getting back to those people that are saying that you weren't the first one, but come on, let's just be honest. You know, there were those who had the DIY type of doing things and going to Home Depot or going to a sporting goods store and getting a rucksack or something like that and stuffing it up with the uh, with with the contractor bags full of pea gravel and mm-hmm. all that other madness. But let's just be honest. I mean, I I went that route before too. Sure. And it's not as functional, especially when you have those straps on those bags that you get from like an, an army surplus store or something like that. So, yeah, you weren't the first, but you made it more efficient and more functional for people to train with them. And again, yeah, there's, there's a poor man's sandbag, but then there's a more efficient training guy's sandbag as well. And I think that's where you came in, man, with your product. Yeah, and the well, problem with the problem with the poor man's sandbag, Josh, is that it leads to a sand shower, yeah. which is not, which is never much fun. <laughs> that's definitely one problem. But you know, it's funny too is you know when, whenever you use any implement, I and I remind people you're, you're you're doing so to achieve a specific goal. You're not just doing it because you just want to use the implement. And you know the homemade sandbag basically, you know, again was you can't create any progressions. There was no specific purpose other than it was just hard to use. And, you know, people maybe look at what we've done. They go, oh, you just put handles on, on a bag. And, you know, it was well more thought out than that. And, you know, we looked at human movement. We looked at how you know, people's bodies are built. We looked at the progressions we wanted to create. And really the, the tool has been shaped by those mediums rather than, uh, oh, let's go do something that's just really hard because you know, that has a short-lived, um, you know, effect for people. You know, they get frustrated. It doesn't do anything for them. And then they're like, well, well why was I doing that in the first place? And so we wanted to really sort of say, Hey, how, how can we like get people to squat better? How can we get them to perform better? How can we create smarter programs? So it's now gotten to the point where our language, even the way we communicate within our program, is different than a lot of other systems and and uh, tools. So you know, I think you know, trying to get people to understand that has been probably one of the greatest challenges in in the whole uh, journey. Oh, no doubt. And yeah. w- w- let's let's get into that because you have you have a specific acronym to describe your system, DVRT. What does that stand for? You know, as a, a friend of mine came up with it. It actually stands for Dynamic Variable Resistance String. And that's, you know, it sounds like a fancy word for saying sandbags, but <laughs> it's that we really wanted to differentiate ourselves from sandbag training. And I just wrote a blog about how I've really come to despise, you know, the word sandbag training. And, um, you know, if I, could do, if I could go back in time and do anything different, it would be not call it a sandbag. And, you know, part of that is due to the fact that, you know, if I told you guys I was going to do barbell training, you probably raise an eyebrow at me, and that's a tool that people have standardized in their world, right? It's about seven <laughs> feet long. It's about one and a half inches diameter. But you can do you can do barbell training for Olympic lifting. You can do it for bodybuilding. You can do it for powerlifting. The implement doesn't dictate the training methodology, and so that's what we really try to shift and change for people. And that's why we call it DVRT versus just sandbag training because I can say sandbag training, and no one can give me a definitive methodology of how it's implemented. They just talk about a bag of sand. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you always think you always think things out very thoroughly, Josh. That's always one thing I've liked about you. And a lot of people in our industry, what they practice is douchebag training. Let's see, that's D B. I'm probably giving someone an idea right now. Hey, hey, come here, girl. Can you come try this out for me? But so I mean, when you when you started this whole thing, I remember you came out with your videos and you put together a great website, and then you were doing certification. I don't know if you were doing certification programs or just seminars you know back then we were just you know doing seminars and what i was looking to do is really sort of see you know the foundations and then 
like I said, as we work with just a lot more people, and, and the summers also gave us a platform to connect with fitness professionals and really expand, you know, trying to see if things worked on a larger scale, then, you know, it's great when it, I can be with someone, I can work one-on-one, but could these concepts and principles be replicated with something right. that was really interesting to see? And as more and more people were actually to do that, it was, it was something that I knew, okay, this is actually something. You know, it's one thing if I can do it, it's another if it can be replicated by other fitness professionals or just people that are just fitness enthusiasts. Right. No, I mean, because I, I travel around the world myself, and I've actually come across quite a few people that have been to your courses and loved it, and it's a big part of their system. Oh, cool. So how, how, has, how have people what, – what, what has been the feedback on people that have been using your system here? Um, you know, obviously, like you said, they really enjoy it, but what does that mean? And, and to me, it's basically right, it's right. really give them a direction with their training. Um, you know, I always tell in our programs that I want to ruin people, and what I mean by that is – I want them to not after our, our our program to look at any strength training program and look at the deficiencies and all the missing variables that people are really addressing that keep them from making progress in their training. Um, you know, we go over and spend a lot of time talking about all the different training variables that are you know in existence for strength training, and really the reason that we use the Ultimate Sandbag is because we think it expands it even to another level. Um, just from the standpoint of we talk about stability training or, you know, and really what we're talking about is instability training right. and how to make that incremental. You know, the whole reason the BOSUs and the wobble boards were popular was actually a sensible concept, except the application just wasn't pragmatic because those were way too unstable of implements. And just right. like we went drastically increased load or drastically increased volume, we had to incrementally, you know, challenge instability. And so in our system, we talk about that, you know, if I ask most trainers, how do they change instability? They'll look at me with a blank stare. Um, they'll be like, oh, we stand on one leg or we stand on a wobbly device or so forth. And, you know, we talk about how we change load position, body position, plane of motion and stability of the implement. And, you know, the ultimate sandbag allows us to have more holding positions than any other implement. You know, it's safer to do a lot of the different, you know, planes of motion and body positions with our ultimate sandbag. And the ultimate sandbag is the only implement that can either be stable and unstable. And that's a that's a myth that a lot of people have about these variable resistance tools is that they're always unstable. And that's just not true. That the instability has to be has to correlate to both the outcome of the uh, goal and also the level of exercise. If I'm moving in very you know uh, complex manner, I want a more stable implement. Versus if I'm more stable and I'm, you know, I can handle a more unstable implement. And so we play with a lot of those parameters in the program and show people how it works. So then when they go back and they look at any program, they go, well, how is, how is buying position being applied? How is, you know, holding position being applied? How are, you know, these connect chains being reflected in these people programs? And, you know, we joke that the, the good thing about our program is there's a lot of options. The bad thing about our program right. is there's a lot of options. Right. <laughs> right. And so people, some, you know, outwardly could look at our stuff and go, that's just too complicated. And they go back to their, what they're comfortable with. But the whole goal of these programs, whether it's the book or these educational programs that we run, is to really have people feel comfortable with these concepts. And, you know, afterwards, you know, that's my major goal. It's not that they learn how to use a sandbag, but that they really understand the system and the, and the variables and how to use it and program it and help people achieve um, their goals. Right. Now, how, how much of your own training is based on sandbag training? Do you still use other tools? And if so, how do you put all this stuff together? Um, I would say 95% of my training is with our ultimate sandbags. Really? And, yeah. um, you know, the, the, here's, the, here's what I always ask people to do. And, they, they, you know, they can call me biased. That's fine. I always say, you know, when people ask me this question and they look a little surprised, I go, well, tell me what, I, tell me what another tool allows me to do that I can't do with our tool. And, you know, inevitably they'll say something, well, I can't load it like I can a barbell. I go, that's true. 
but the barbell traditionally is a stable implement used in stable positions, used on, you know, stable holding positions. So, you know, I can replicate that in other ways. I can create the same type of training effect, challenging the other mediums that the barbell cannot. So therefore I can produce a very similar outcome without actually having to use the barbell. And for me specifically, it's been very helpful because, you know, I have herniated discs in my low back. I have a degenerative spine, you know, three years ago, I got cervical fusion in my neck. So to me, it's, it's very important to be cognizant of all these variables because it'll impact how my body feels and how it functions long-term. Now, Josh, when you get to, when you hear from these, I guess you can say naysayers when they say, well, I can just use barbells or I'm going to use that to get to a certain size or for a specific goal. Then how do you tell those folks how training with your sandbag system can actually help improve that? So if they're a power lifter or if they're mm-hmm. a bodybuilder or if they're an Olympic lifter or even a kettlebell sport competitor, how would, uh, sorry, the, the, yeah, how would sorry, training the, with that? Those are obviously the angry kids. Hold yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's a great point, Sincere. I mean, you know, I never want to impose our system on people. Mm-hmm. I don't go around and, you know, like selling snake oil or anything like that. I tell people that, you know, they have to you know, apologize for what they like and what they want to do. Rather, I want them to make DVLT right for them and, you know, part of, you know, help them achieve their goal. If it's powerlifting, if it's bodybuilding and so forth. And I'll give you an example. You know, I had a gentleman come um, to me. He lived down in Tucson and his goal was to move from an 800 to 1,000 pound deadlift. Uh, I'm sorry, squat. And that's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's pretty I, impressive. I would say that's pretty Just solid. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and as you guys know, moving from 800 to 1,000 is not like moving from 135 to 300. <laughs> exactly. You know, it becomes a lot more challenging. And so I wasn't going to ask him to give up his barbell lifts. That's what he enjoyed to do. That was a sport he was participating in. What I, said, I, what I did is I said, well, okay, let's see what your deficiencies are. And we saw uh, a lot of issues with, you know, lateral stability. Uh, we had some hip mobility issues and some, some ways that, you know, we have a way of sort of looking at kinetic chain um, function. And so what I gave him were, you know, two drills to focus upon because I really wanted him to focus in his training. I told him where to place it and how he was going to work with his powerlifting training. And he said, you know, it was about six weeks after um, he went and competed and he hit, I think it was 950. Ooh, wow. So it wasn't that I'm going to replicate his deadlifting or his squatting with our system. It was going to look at the things he wasn't able to do. And he wasn't able to achieve and his weaknesses that, you know, were being exposed and that we could resolve with our system. So, you know, for me, if, if you're dealing with that type of situation, and I'm not going to ask people to give up everything they love to do. If they fall in love with our program, awesome. But if they're doing it in conjunction with other things, I want to show them how it can work with them. How, how specifically did this, did your system help this powerlifter in question? Um, you know, again, like I was sort of trying, trying to say, it's hard to exp- you know, explain over the phone or sure. Skype, mm-hmm. but he had a lateral hip stability issue. So mm-hmm. basically he was, even though he can make obviously a squat look really good, he was having some, you know, I guess the best term I've heard is leakage of strength, which sounds like a personal problem, but <laughs> you know, he was losing strength and stability during the lift where outwardly it didn't look like it. But when we put him in different postures and positions, it was obviously being reinforced. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I had him do one of our drills called a rotational lunge. And the, really one of the major goals is to develop that lateral hip stability along with the single leg stance. And also, you know, we look at things like the anterior oblique system. So connecting his adductor to his oblique and stuff like that. So what we wanted to do is really improve some of those deficiencies that he hadn't trained. Um, because most people don't know how to train that stuff and right. don't even think about it. So that was that. We did um, some shoulder step up to balance work, which, again, worked on some cross-patterning, worked on some lateral hip stability. Um, and at first, I mean, he was 
I think in both of these drills, he's only using about 50 pounds. Um, and so, I mean, I think, you know, that really showed here's a guy right. who squat 800 pounds and he's using, sitting there using a 50 pound bag. And so, you know, that definitely showed us that there was definitely a strength discrepancy. I'm not expecting him to use, you know, 200 pound bags, but you know, I would have expected someone that level to use at least a hundred pounds. And it was definitely very difficult for him to do. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Now, how, how much of Brooks Kubik's writing on sandbag training influenced you? Because before you came along and really proliferated the system, I always, whenever someone would bring up sandbag training, I would always think of Brooks in dinosaur training. You know, initially, I'll be very honest. I mean, I got a lot of inspiration just to be interested in the implement. Sure. Um, you know, Brooks writes in there. It's, you know, and this is sort of the thing that when people ask me, well, why did you choose this? That really got my attention is Brooks writes about how it's unlike anything else. And to me, you know, I was like, well, I don't want this to be like something else. I don't want to say, well, you could also do this with this and it gives you a similar effect. Right. You know, right. Our, our, our implement, our system is very distinctly different. And I think that's a hard thing for people to compute because I think naturally – you know, it's all our tendency, we're human beings, to try to relate it to what we're familiar with. And yes. so, you know, I sort of say it's like music. And if you get a music, you know, person that comes in, they have a different sound or style. You're right. trying to put them in a certain genre, even though they may not really fit it. Right, exactly. Right. And, and I think that's, you know, really what is outside of, you know, that inspiration. You know, even Brooks, as much as I thank him for that inspiration, doesn't really have a system of in, in implementation. Right. And so the, the, the extent of the inspiration probably was just the idea of, like, how is this different? Why, if we're going to spend that much time, you know, devoting ourselves to something like this and, and because we believe it works, you know, how is it going to be different than something else? And is, if something else works better, I just said this weekend, if someone goes ahead and shows me that something else works better, then I'm not going to recommend that they do it with our product or implement uh, or system. You know, I'm going to tell them to do it with that. But until that time comes, you know, we just had a, a really interesting study by the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee come out that really threw people for a loop. And so, you know, it's like until people can show me that our tool doesn't do what I say it does, I'm going to definitely believe that we're going the right direction. Now, how much, how would, what have, what have been some of the weak links that you have seen from people that focus on kettlebell training? So let's say someone is a kettlebell trainer and mm -hmm. they're like, well, I want, I want to improve certain areas that I'm just not getting with kettlebells. So how can the sandbag help me? Mm -hmm. have, is, have, have you seen any commonalities between kettlebell focused trainees that issues that have been able to be addressed by your system? Yeah. You know, it's, I always, I always have to commend people first and foremost when they're open-minded enough to try something different. Right. Um, I think in this day and age, it's, it's even more difficult because not only do you have people that are very bought into a, a style or method, but they're also bought into communities. So I always, you know, when someone comes and is open-minded enough to ask for my help, I always think it's, you know, really commendable. Um, and, and I'm really excited to help those people because I think those are the people we can really make a difference with. But to answer your question, you know, universally, I see two big problems with a lot of the kettlebell community. One is um, they don't train rotation at all. And, you know, rotational training is a fundamental movement pattern. And, you know, it's one of those things where – and they're not unique in this manner. I, I, should, I should preface that. Sure. But because they believe that they're, they're – I think a lot of kettlebell people like to believe that their strength training is a little bit more movement-oriented than maybe a lot of the um, more popular or the more classic styles – and then when you see them absolutely fail in rotational training pretty poorly, um, it becomes a really eye-opening experience and really humbling. The other is just um, 
being able to, you know, we, we talk about multi-planar training in our system a lot. And to us, multi-planar training is moving in one plane and resisting forces in other planes, which is really what happens in a lot of athletic and functional movements. And, you know, in kettlebell training, your body is always moving in the direction of the weight. Um, so they don't really know how to actually resist motion a lot. And so that's something that we would spend a lot of time on. Um, so, and, and just not, and they often tend to limit themselves in patterns. You know, something we spend a lot of time on is different lunging progressions because lunging is one of those few situations where we have both vertical and horizontal forces going on at the same time. And, and a lot of people, it's amazing. Even people that look pretty athletic and what they're used to doing, man, they're really, pretty humbled when they get to some of these different uh, lunging variations. Oh, I don't yeah. doubt it. I mean, it's, 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 it's a much different training stimulus than most people are going to be used to. And you're right about the whole rotational thing. What would, what would be some examples of some rotational exercises with a sandbag? Um, you know, one of my favorite, I just wrote an article about it was, um, shoveling and shoveling oh, basically mm-hmm. looks like a rotation. looks like if you took a kettlebell swing and made it rotational, and I know all these people are going to want to try to do, you know, shoveling with a kettlebell. Don't do it. it yeah, some people tried it. I've seen, on, <laughs> I've seen on YouTube University. So when you said shoveling, I started to cringe. I'm like, oh, there's some idiots out there that have tried yeah. kettlebells. And, <laughs> yeah. and I just closed my eyes like, oh, geez, this dude's not no. going to make it, man. He's going to snap and, something. And, and, and to be fair, you know, we tell people not to swing our ultimate sandbags. It doesn't work well because it's not <laughs> a, it's not a, um, you know, a kettlebell is a single Wait. Oh, come on. You can't do one-arm snatches with Come that? on, Josh. <laughs> you, no, no. Wait, there's Broaden your mind. Can, can you or should you? <laughs> there's a difference. Nice. Um, you know, so shoveling is one of my favorites. We have a drill called Around the World that we teach, which we do for reactive core training, um, which people usually bastardize. They do this weird helicopter um, type swing around their bodies, and, and they don't understand the intent of the movement. Um, those are two really awesome, you know, rotational drills. But we do something as simple as, you know, we teach rotation starting with a rotational press because it keeps the spine in a vertical plane. And because people are usually a little cautious with uh, rotational training because the easiest way to herniate a lumbar disc is in rotation and flexion, you can easily teach the footwork in rotation when their spine is more vertical. So we'll use, you know, a rotational press as a great medium to sort of introduce that concept. Now, can you can you do that with other tools, with kettlebell, oh, rotation, press, yeah, dumbbell? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was gonna yeah. Ask I mean, in, in that respect, you know, our implement yeah. isn't unique. Um, what I do like about it is because it usually will give people a little bit more unstable implement in that in that scenario that they also get the feedback that the implement's moving as well as they are. So they really have right. to be cognizant of where the force is being created from. You can't, you know, the great thing I just, you know, I started telling people is you can't outmuscle an ultimate sandbag. Right. Because the implement itself is a little bit self-limiting. It's a little bit mobile itself. So if you have a movement deficiency, it's going to expose it. Right. Meaning if you, if you try to move really fast and you're not creating force and tension from the right areas, the bag's going to move on you and you're probably going to lose it. Um, you know, that's why people, when they just simply clean and press our ultimate sandbag, they have such a hard time initially because there's a great accuracy component that's required in the lift. You know, and, and then people are used to like they can sort of muscle or compensate a lot of other implements and you just can't do it with this implement. Right. Now, Josh, we talk about when you talk oh, about ahead. other implements out there. Now, some when we're talking about the rotational movement, a lot of what you just described kind of reminds me of a lot of the training with Bo- with Bulgarian bags as well. Now, how does the for people who train with that, how does your system compare with training with Bulgarian bags as well, especially with the rotational movement like that? It's night and day. Okay, um, I'll give you some real real examples. Most people, as I see it, now I'll be fair, I've never heard Ivan speak, mm-hmm. um, but as I see people performing in drills, most people are performing anti-rotational movements. They're not performing rotational movements. Okay. Um, rotation has to occur at the foot. 
The reason is the rotation has to occur from the foot is because it has to create a chain reaction up into the hip. Right. Um, your hip is a big ball and socket joint for a reason because it has a ton of movement. And if you look at how athletes, you know, rotate, that's always through their hips because the lumbar spine doesn't have much rotation to it. And so when people do a lot of Bulgarian bag drills, what they do, they circle the bag around them, themselves. And what they're trying to do is resist the motion of the Bulgarian right. bag. You don't see any footwork occurring. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's one real easy way of looking at it. Another is just the implement itself is just night and day. You know, we talk about having a dimensional component with our ultimate sandbag. So, you know, the instability of the implement comes from not just how you load it, but the dimension that you're using as well. Two ultimate sandbags filled at the same weight can act very differently depending upon their dimension. And we'll use dimension as a way to create another variable, whether to make an exercise easier or more difficult or to get feedback to the body. Yes, I yeah, mean, no. so for example, sometimes you'll pack it completely full of sand. Other times it's half full, 75% full as a way to change the variability. Yeah, you know, if I'm doing an exercise like shoveling, like we just described, right. I'm going to have a more compact ultimate sandbag because I'm moving in an unstable plane. We consider right. transverse plane okay. unstable. If I'm doing, you know, say a clean and press, I can handle a more unstable implement because it's moving in line with my body. I'm in a more stable position so I can manage the more unstable implement. The hardest thing to do is combine both elements. Right. Mm. That's one of the big challenges when using a sandbag, actually, is doing a clean and press with a sandbag is a totally different experience, especially if it's 50%, 75% full of sand, pebble, whatever you're putting into it, because that, because you, you're not prepared for all of that moving around. I mean, you're getting that bag in place, and it all moves to one end. You're trying to press it overhead. It's moving around. Yeah. So that, that, that's definitely one of the unique experiences that differentiates it from any other training tool I've used, for sure. Yeah, no two and, reps, and no two reps are the same. So right. it, it might move yeah, one right. way on rep one, but never rep adapt. eight is exactly. something else, you know? Exactly. Well, you never adapt. Difference. And that's a big difference between, like, our ultimate sandbag and, and, and a homemade one, like you guys were sort of talking about. I watch people with the, the do-it-yourself, you know, sandbag. And what they'll do when they clean and press, they grab the outsides of the sandbag. Well, that inherently makes this, the implement more stable. You right. Know, one right, reason we right. put the handles on top when people clean and press, the implement ends up on the top of their fist. When it's on the top of your fist, now you have an unstable implement because the weight disbursement is a little different and the weight has freedom to move as you go through it. Plus, people can muscle through a, a, a clean on, on a homemade sandbag because they'll what they end up doing is reverse curling it, and it doesn't matter because yeah. the imp, the weight's actually relatively stable. You try to do that on an ultimate sandbag, it's not going to happen. Right. And it's, it's pretty. It's one and one extra benefit is that it's it's definitely portable, right? I mean, you can take a sandbag on vacation. If you're going to Hawaii, you know, you just go to the beach <laughs> with your sandbag, load it up, and get a workout in, dump it out. Is that something you do? Is it, do quite a few people do that? Yeah, I mean, we actually came up with a water filling system be, uh, uh -huh. just for that very reason. And, yeah. you know, just in my recent trip that I was on, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to have access to the gym prior to our training. And so I was able to bring 200 pounds worth of weight with me. And I was empty when I brought it, but I was able to fill it up. And basically, I had a 200-pound gym there, which, as you guys well know, when you travel, not too many times do you have an opportunity to have that type of load with you. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's portability is definitely a benefit. You know, we've done work with the military a right. lot and, you know, right. they, it, it's a big plus for them. And ironically, you know, they're the ones that said, you know, we have access to, you know, rucksacks and stuff like that. And you know what, it, it freaking sucks. Um, right. it's not a good tool. So, I mean, here is a group that has it for basically free cause they've already given it out and they don't even want to use them for sandbags. <laughs> but yet, yet fitness enthusiasts think it's the cool thing to do, I guess. So, I mean, it sounds hardcore if it's tactical, I guess. Well, you know, <laughs> let's just say this. If you're vacationing in Columbia per se, just make sure that you don't use white <laughs> sand in, in your bag exactly. to try to come back with that. Okay. I cannot recommend that. <laughs> 
It's like, hey, I just went to the beach and filled it up. I had no idea. That's what <laughs> yeah, what, so what were you working out? A poppy field? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, so quite a few people over. You have customers in Afghanistan, Josh, Iraq, et cetera, overseas that are using the system? Yeah, you know, we've been fortunate enough. Um, one of our people told me that basically she, she looked at the countries because some of them are just so obscure at times that you know, we've, we've, we've had the ultimate sandbag in over 80 countries. And wow. more importantly to me, we, we've taught the courses in over 12 countries. And um, I'm actually heading to Russia pretty soon to teach them uh, in Moscow. And really? Cool. So, I mean, it, it's, it's been a great experience to see people embrace the system. And, you know, we really put such a heavy emphasis on the education because then people understand where we're coming from and why we're such big proponents uh, of the implement and the program. Well, what countries have you taught in? Uh, you know, I'm going to count Canada, Mexico, because I can. Um, Brazil, <laughs> Italy, Germany, the UK. Um, we've done Korea. Japan. Wow. I'm missing something off the top of my head, but those are the ones that come off the top of my head. And so, you know, Canada, it, Canada yeah. always laugh with wow, someone says, I have an international business. They taught one course in Toronto. I have to clear customs, so I'm going to count it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Have you, have you noticed what, what do you notice in different populations? That, that's what I'm curious about because I've taught overseas quite a bit yeah. as well where you notice that some in some countries people have way tighter hip flexors. In other countries, not so much. What, what has been your experience with how people pick up the sandbag training in, in various countries you've been to? That's a great question. I, I think a lot of it has to do with cultural influences. Like you yeah. know, when we went to Japan, it, it was uh, emphasized to me prior to that you know, it's not really – that's not really well respected to lift really heavy. It's huh. just a cultural thing. Okay, um, interesting. You know, and so it's so you see that reflected in both. You know, that the priority is there, and yet, but but their movement skills are very good. I mean, we go through a, a warm up that you know when we do it in you know uh, North America, it's it's you know painful to watch. But yet, when we were in Japan, they went through it and they could have had a cup of tea at the same time. Um, <laughs> you know, Europe is probably a lot like us. Right. You know, for I, the most part, yeah, I, I didn't see too many drastic differences. I think what's interesting to me most of all is you know you're, you're really you're really kind of interesting when you're the foreigner, and um, ironically, you know, you know, in America we look so much outside of our own country for cool things, you know, Russian this or Eastern European that, and right. they actually look at us, you know, no for doubt. information too. So I think it's no sometimes doubt. we think the more exotic something is, the more beneficial it is, but that's not always the case, and. You know, we, we've been very fortunate to have people well receive it because, you know, the experience and what they actually feel when they do it, I think is really the major selling point. But it has been interesting to see the different cultural influences and how they've taken on to things. Well, what about the CrossFit community? Has they, have they picked up on your system? Not really. And it's actually oh. interesting because a lot of people think it would be a natural fit. Yeah. Um, part of it is just very simple reasoning, which is it's not in their wads. Right. So if it's not in the wads, <laughs> I mean, I'm very honest. They're not doing it. Uh, the other, is, I think, the more interesting thing to me is that um, I think it's one of those things where because everything is done for time, it would actually slow a lot of people down because they really have to be cognizant of their movement. Right. And I don't know if that, that's, that would probably be a good thing, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, it's <laughs> one of those things. It might be a benefit to them, but community-wise, would they want to do that? Right. Mm, right. Different story. And, and I think also because CrossFit's really ingrained the barbell and Olympic weightlifting um, it, it's really hard for them to see outside those things. You know, the best example I give is I, I, I made a lot of mistakes, obviously, in the last 10 years. And one of them was I was talking to a box owner, and, 
And I said, to, you know, I was vomiting information on him. And one of those points where you like, you can tell the person's looking sort of through you. <laughs> Give me that Scooby-Doo look. <laughs> but it is like, they've lost interest. And, you yeah. know, I, I, I had him do a mental shift. I'm like, wait a minute, I've lost this guy. And so basically I, I reshifted gears. And I said, hey, what if I can improve your box squat jump? You and all of a sudden I had him again. Right, yeah. right, right. And, you know, we did a little drill, had him experience it. And he was like, holy crap, that's awesome. And so... You know, that's why I think overall with our system, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not trying to make everyone, you know, go fully into just using ultimate sandbags. But if it can make them better at what they love to do and what they're excited about, then all the better. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think what you just shared is a mistake a lot of coaches tend to make, especially when they get excited about something. And I mean, for example, you have someone that's interested in kettlebell sport. They teach that or whatever. But when you're talking to someone at CrossFit, they can't understand like, oh, wait a minute. You actually want me to stay in one place for five to ten minutes and not do something right. else, and not just finish my workout in five right. to ten minutes, and you want to do something else. So what it is, I think you have to learn how to be a more effective communicator, learn how to speak someone's language. And one of the things that I've learned is like, especially with the CrossFit community, is to teach them like, okay, look, I know you guys. Sometimes they'll throw a snatch in the middle of a, an event if you're getting ready for the CrossFit Games or something like that. But I'm gonna tell you right now, there's no glory in being one of the people that takes a picture of your hands all torn and bleeding because your snatch technique sucked, you know, and you see that all the time. So there's a much better way. And just, and then they're more excited. Like, okay, yeah, because I'm like, if you tear your hands, you lose time in training, you lose time in training. Then that may be the difference between you making it to the regionals or whatever else, if that's what you're trying to do. So when you start speaking a language like that, instead of just saying like, let me make your snatch more you know, efficient so you can do it for 10 minutes, you know, without tearing your hands, they're like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> so, you right. know, yeah, it just really comes uh, down to speaking their language. I remind myself all the time that, you know, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's, it's the same thing. You know, if I, I went to one relatively recently where, you know, I came in remembering my first episode and going, OK, you know, knowing what's meaningful to them, I said, hey, you know, if we can get your arms in better position to snatch and to jerk, is that of interest to you? And I go, oh, of course. If I can you know, improve your hip mobility really fast, is that of interest to you? And they said, yeah, of course. So I had them do one drill and, you know, the drill took one minute and they saw and felt the difference. And I'm like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden now they're interested and we got to figure out now how to implement it. So that makes sense for them to keep with what they're interested in, but also to make sure that this is helping them perform better. Definitely. I think that I think you guys both bring up some great points is when you're when you're talking to someone, ask them, what is it that you're actually trying to improve? You know, what are you interested in? And then you can tailor whatever your presentation is around that mm -hmm. rather than going in with any presumptions on on what they're looking for. Right. And I find with guys, if you if you talk, if you emphasize the point that they will get more box from following your system. You know, they tend to be way more receptive. Hey, look, you know? man, you're going to bag more box, okay? And they're like, oh, dude, do, do tell. Would, would you be interested in getting more box? And then if the answer is yes, then you know where to go with that. I can't make such promises with our program. <laughs> Smart. Oh, come on. I, th I, th I thought weighted real dolls were the next progression for you, Josh, after our sandbags. You know? Oh, clean and press that, why don't you? <laughs> and we'll start talking about other communities, though, Josh. Now, not just the CrossFit community, but I've seen your ultimate sandbag. I actually saw it on a commercial once a couple of years ago on right. Biggest Loser. And oh, yeah. it's like, so it, I had mixed feelings for, you know, even though this, in my opinion, I'm not a fan of the show. I was excited to see that because I was like, OK, there's a step in the right direction. And at least they're being taught by someone that knows what they're doing. It's not like someone on the show or one of the trainers happened to see it somewhere and thought it was cool. Like they, like one of the trainers did with the kettlebell, you know, and things like that. So I, I thought that was a step in the right direction. So what has been your experience w with working with 
the communities with shows like The Biggest Loser, but also just with the general population, how they receive the ultimate sandbag system. So just like the everyday Tom, you know, Jane and Joe that sit on the couch and they just want to they just want to be in shape. They're not trying to go out and compete and be an right. athlete or anything like that. Well, it's kind of funny because what you actually described is what happened. I mean, meaning that uh, a, a trainer saw it somewhere and, you know, thought it was cool and wanted to, wanted to get on the show and use it. And, you know, my, I always hold my breath because, <laughs> you know, when people come up to me, they're like, hey, Josh, I got your ultimate sandbag. Isn't that cool? You know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I, my typical response is, well, it depends what you're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my goal is not to have people have the implement, but to use it within the scope that was intended. Um, otherwise, it just becomes the next shiny object for a short period of time, then they move on to something else. Um, but to answer your question, you know, our, our, one of our biggest, you know, consumer bases is, is the home, I'll say the home market, even though I meant, I mean, fitness enthusiasts, people that are not fitness pros and, you know, just looking for something they can do a lot with in, the, in a small amount of space or they'll have a lot of variety with it, but they'll get a huge bang for their buck. And it's been really cool, you know. The stories I enjoy, I, you know, one gentleman always pops in my head. He actually contacted us, and he was kind of, you know, not sure if the program was formed because he actually had a neurological disorder, and he had um, a form of autism mm-hmm. that uh, made it very pro- uh, hard for him to balance at times and do uh, things. And um, very, fo- we're very fortunate. My wife um, is also a physical therapist, so she was able to sort of, you know, talk with him and, and tell him how he would use it and implement. And, you know, he had enough faith in us to, to follow suit and, you know, to hear back from him, you know, weeks into it, you know, how much better he's doing. Uh, basically, he's able to walk down the stairs with more confidence and get in the shower and not be as fearful of falling. Uh, are, are some of the small things that we take for granted that yeah, just, you know, right. really warm your heart and make you feel like you're really making a difference for people. I mean, losing 20 pounds is awesome, um, but changing someone's life is just really that cool. Yeah, that, that's a great point because I mean, a lot of times we take for granted our fitness, and when we meet people who have these real mobility issues or they have neurological issues that, in, that impede their mobility and movement patterns, that affects the quality of your life so dramatically. Absolutely. And anytime we've ever been sick or you, maybe you broke your arm or you twisted your ankle and you're having a hard time walking around, which is, of course, insi- insignificant compared to a real issue. I mean, <laughs> but, it, but it really it can be really demoralizing, especially right. when you're someone who's used to being active and working out. You love being fit. You love being active. You like moving around, doing things. And so, I mean, you, you're really improving the quality of someone's life when they get those patterns back, especially when it's so drastic where walking down a staircase is difficult now or taking a shower is difficult or getting out of an airplane seat is difficult. So that that's a good point that I think a lot of us overlook in the sense is that we're always thinking how to, how to go to the highest level, which is great. You know, that's exciting. But sometimes we forget the big picture of working with those people that have such serious issues that you can really turn things around for them. That's very rewarding. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's funny when we do like our you know infamous introductions at our certifications. You know, yeah. it's it's funny like people almost when they I ask what populations they work with because I want to be relevant to them. Um, you know, it's almost like everyone when they say general pop puts their head down and talks a little softer versus the guys are <laughs> working with athletes, you know, pump out their <laughs> chest so and want to tell the world. And I said, you know, Working with General Pop is awesome. Those are the people's lives you can really transform and have an impact upon. And I said, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You should be proud about that. 
Right. Well, and that's also where the bulk of your income is going to be as exactly. well, because I remember yeah. you and I talked about mm-hmm. that early on, because we both talked about sure. how everyone is going out is trying to get professional athletes, or they're trying to get actors, or they're trying to they're trying to get something where they can show off about it. Basically, it's like yeah. I try I train so and so. Look at the list of people I have, and what they don't realize is most of those people are not used to paying for anything. Right. You know? So, <laughs> right. so you're, you're going to be training them for free, if even that, and. What what happens when you're spending all of your time training celebrities or professional athletes for free? Well, you're not making any money, right? So, I mean, general population is where you're going to build your business, and those are going to be the people that are very loyal to your system as well. Where a lot, and, and I'm not putting all celebrities or professional athletes in in the same category, but th- a lot of them tend to be fickle with stuff. Where they'll work with you, and this is interesting, and then the next week they're doing something else. Right, and, and another so yeah, and another issue with that is the general population when they see that, like a lot of times you have coaches that want to work with these celebrities and athletes to build their resume so they can have right, something right, to brag right. about. But here's the thing: when you start going for the general population, who's pretty much going to be the bulk of your income, they're not coming to you because they're already looking at that. Like, well, I can't afford this dude. He's training Larry Fitzgerald or blah, blah, right. blah. I can't even afford <laughs> this guy. So they're already looking somewhere else, and they're probably going to the little bootleg trainer at the big box gym who's just fresh from doing a weekend certification at that big box gym. And, you know, Because in their mind, like, well, it's already part of my – you know, my gym fees, why not just go with this guy or something like that? So, you know, a lot of times, like I said, you've, you've raised that barrier to entry by sitting there with, you know, making that long list of folks, unless that's exactly who you want to work with, those celebrities or athletes like that. So just be uh, careful what favorite, you ask for. One of my favorite stories is it's probably been about 10 years ago. And, you know, I live in Scottsdale, so, you know, spring training comes down. And right. this is when Barry Bonds was still playing. I was at, you know, a small gym and he came in with his entourage. And the owner was a, a pretty classic dude. He's passed since since then but he remi- he he always remind me of um you ever show uh, ever see the show uh, American Chopper yeah yeah you, you know the dad <laughs> yeah, the total, big yeah. you know yeah he reminded me exactly of the dad <laughs> and you know Barry Bonds comes with his entourage and you know the guy goes Barry wants to train and the guy goes 20 bucks and they all look at each other like we don't have any cash on us everyone just well, it's going free <laughs> and the guys like too bad I guess you're not training here you know so yeah, it's kind of funny it just sort of reiterates Mike's point that You'd be surprised what they're used to receiving, what the expectation is. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to give the illusion that it's not beneficial to have celebrity no. endorsements to some degree because it is. I mean, I remember yeah. when I taught a seminar at Frank Shamrock's gym, and he, and he took the course and he really liked it. And I asked him for a testimonial, and he gave me a really nice testimonial. And believe me, that was on my website within seconds of getting it. You know, because <laughs> no, but I think it's, I think it's the difference of having someone legitimately. Wanting to do it and someone yeah, just yeah, doing exactly. it to do something new, right? Exactly. Someone, I mean, yeah. it was it was it was such a nice testimonial and it was a very genuine one where you it wasn't just like oh Mike's a great trainer, right. you know, or something very generic like that, or or definitely go work out with him. He's awesome. It, it was something <laughs> where he really got into why he liked what I was doing, and sure. I was like, man, I couldn't wait to get that on my website, and it and it definitely made a difference with. With people going, oh wow, I'm, I'm such a big fan of Frank Shamrock. I'd love to train with you. But did it did it make my business? Of course not. And that that's what I try to emphasize to people is that no one's going to make your business for you. It's going to take a lot of hard work. And just and your example proves that point extremely well, Josh. Because I remember when you started this whole sandbag training thing, where it was it was a couple sandbags in your garage, and you were just in the process of getting your first video out. And now, you know, ten year almost ten years later. You're way ahead, but I mean, you're still working really hard to get this thing out there. It's not like you're just kicking back, making millions now with this whole system out there. You're doing well, but it, but it took a lot of hard work. And the only reason why you've sustained that effort is because you're obviously really passionate about what you're doing. You really want to get it out there. You really want to help people. I think that's one thing that as people listen to you on the show will realize clearly is 
you're, you're not talking about dollar signs the whole time. You're not going, well, man, like you can make so much money mm-hmm. teaching sandbag training. This is how much money I've made. You keep talking about the benefits for the person, which is what I, which is I'm really glad to hear. Yeah, on top I of that, appreciate on, that. Yeah, on top of that, man. I mean, you stayed the course. That's another thing. You 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 found something that you truly believed in. And it's like okay, you knew that it was going to take a little while to get this out there because it was pretty much it was going against pretty much all the normal things that people were used to in the training community. This was going a little bit against barbells. And, you know, yeah, most people probably did it just for novelty and just just for the fun of it. Like, oh, let me just do something different, work out with sandbags. But mm-hmm. never really putting a system together. And I think early on it seems like you knew, okay, this this is going to be a, a hard sell for a lot of folks to kind of get them to change their minds. But you stayed the course. And whereas a lot of entrepreneurs, they have a great idea they start off, and then when it's not being well received right off the bat, they quit. And just to show how long you've been doing this, actually, you and I came across each other way back. You, it was like you and Troy. And uh-huh. this was way back in the days of MySpace. This tells you how long ago this was. <laughs> this was the first Ultimate Fighter in MySpace when I first discovered I never you. On <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I first even saw those sandbags, man. And it's like, okay, what is this about? So I appreciate it. I mean, that's something we talk about you know, a lot is is you know it's sort of mike sort of hit on it and people have this illusion that you know this was maybe created in some big corporate you know boardroom and oh here's josh <laughs> this thing out and you know and it was nothing of the sort and i didn't even you know i tell a lot of people i didn't even know what this was going to become but you know it's passionate about it. but you know something i tell people all the time is if you're going to attempt to ask people to change you better believe in what you're doing because change right. is not something people like right Ooh, not at all uh, <laughs> so i mean you better be willing to go through the battles and the heartaches and and the challenges that are put forth and you know with any luck if you really have something of substance then you know like you guys know hopefully it will be received to some degree and yeah we're not sitting there just you know we're not it's not like a decent proposal where i'm rolling the bed with you know dollar <laughs> bills or something that's a bad image by the way but you know <laughs> you know it, it, the only reason we keep pushing so hard is is because you know we we personally have benefited from it so greatly in our in our health and our well being and you know we want other people to experience the same. Yeah, and you better have tough skin because the haters will be coming at you left and right, man. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a strong contingency of people out there who don't who don't think that anyone should make money in right. fitness. It's like this right. real con- it's it's usually a right wing group too, which is the ironic part because what they're saying is very communist. Like everything should be free, mm-hmm. and that no one should make any money giving out fitness information. Information should just be free. It's like, well, that's <laughs> that's not that's not how things are built, man. High quality information you you should expect to pay for. It doesn't mean that we don't put out great free information. This show is free. All of our websites have great free information, but this is all how this is also how we make a living. And we all work hard for this and we're putting out good information and you should expect to pay for that. But I think I think one thing also, Josh, with your system is that there were probably a lot of people early on that were just waiting to see how long this thing would last. And what I mean by that is your first year out, they're going, okay, let's see if this thing is here in five years. Then I'll right. take it more seriously. You know, The longer you last, the more seriously people start taking it. When you've been doing something for 10 years, that, that's a pretty powerful statement. You know, anyone sure. could do something for a year. And then it doesn't work out, they give up. But 10 years, that, that shows some serious commitment. <laughs> exactly. And I've been reading this book that talks about the difference between powerful people and people that are not powerful. And is that when people that are powerful go after a goal and it gets harder, they work harder. In other words, that gets mm-hmm. them more excited. So when, the, so when things get more difficult to achieve, that gets them more tenacious to make people that are not powerful when when the difficulty comes along when the roadblocks come along they just give up at that point well, i guess it's just not meant to be oh, well, otherwise it would be yeah. easy and, right. I, and i think that's that's an unfortunate mentality that a lot of people have when 
things are really difficult, they somehow assume that means it's not meant to be. It shouldn't be this difficult. And it's, mm-hmm. it's more the opposite. It, it's, you need to go into that assuming that it's going to be very difficult because it, it is going to be, it's always going to take longer than you think it will to make something happen. And it's going to be difficult. But mm-hmm. if you're enjoying the process and it's something you really want to get out there, that, that's not going to diminish your enthusiasm. Right. No, I mean, we, we, my wife is always good about reminding me. I often say, I wish I, you know, looking back, I go, I wish I did this. And just be a, a variety of things. I should go, well, you didn't know. And so right, exactly. you know, it's one thing to not do it because you, you decided not to. It's another because you didn't know any better. And, you know, we, we went from, you know, as you said, you know, trying to see, you know, could people understand and appreciate this idea to now everyone, everyone's trying to make their own dollar off of it. And you're like, well, the good, you know, when people ask us, what's the difference between your ultimate sandbag versus other stuff I'm seeing now, I go, well, ours was made for our system, and that's all I can really tell you. I, I mean, I can get into other, you know, details that are probably meaningless to you, but you know, I always tell people it's it's you know, others copy, you know, we innovate. Right. Well, I, I remember you told me there there were. I remember a couple of years ago we were talking, and you said there there are there are people that are trying to rip off my system now, and they're doing this and that, and I go well. You know that that's a compliment in disguise because it, it means <laughs> right, you have it right. means you have something valuable, right? right? That that's where they're trying to rip it off. If you didn't have something valuable, they wouldn't care about ripping it off. They would say, "Ah, who cares about that? That's going nowhere." You're you're making all these great strides. You're getting right. this thing out there. They're going, "Huh? Let's jump in the game now and try to make a quick buck on right. this guy's efforts." Yeah, yeah. So be, and, those, and those are the people you have to be more cautious about. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. There's there's going to be people that that want to get your information so that they can just try to take it and run with it. But you know, the thing is, is that, that they're not going to know it as well as you do. Exactly. Right? That's what, that's, that's the difference right there. They, they can't keep going because it's your system. That's, they can copy all day long, but they can't really go into depth. Like why is this way? Or it does this, or it does that. They can only go by the information they've swiped from you and that's about it, but they can't really go deep into it. And plus, People are not stupid for the most part. You know, they can hear it. You know, so I have to put that disclaimer for the, for the most part. But we could argue that. Yeah, exactly. But but one That'll thing about different. it, because so many people are, you know, bullshitters themselves, they can recognize other bullshit. So when you're talking, they can just see you. And when they hear you, they can hear the passion in your voice, Josh, when you talk about it. Let's listen to this show. You know, let's listen to how you're talking. It's 10 years later. You still sound very passionate about what you're doing. A copycat is not going to sound passionate about that. No. They're only passionate about being copycats. <laughs> okay, that's about it, man. So there's the well, difference. I appreciate it, guys. I mean, it means a lot, you know, and that's our goal. Our goal is to, you know, we really want to see a change in people. And we want to, you know, we're trying to give a tool to both fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts that can really be helpful. And that, you know, I think that's what keeps us driving because I know what it's like to be on the other end, you know, and, and wanting to have something that can really make a difference. Oh, no doubt. Now, just switching gears a little yep. bit, uh, I'm, I'm curious about about your thoughts on the RKC community now because you're, you're a guy that's been involved in, <laughs> in one shape or another on the periphery, or, and now you're more involved for a long time. I remember I, I taught at an RKC, I think, in 2004 that you came through, mm-hmm. and, 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 every, and everyone saw you as a high-level guy at that time. I remember Steve Maxwell was like, man, this guy, this guy's someone to watch because he has really why, good why, why do you guys make me do so many burpees then? <laughs> because because <laughs> Maxwell also brought up the point. He's like, he's like, hey, Mike, you ever watch that show, Oz? I'm like, yeah, I watched that on HBO. He's like, that's, I was like, that's a pretty scary show. It's, 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 it's caused many, many nights of restless sleep. <laughs> but you watch four episodes of Oz in a row, you're not going to want to leave your house, man. But anyway, anyway, he's like, you know that character Keller by Chris Maloney on there? I'm like, 
yeah, sure. He's like, he's like, look at that guy over there. It's like, don't you think he looks kind of like Keller? I'm like, yeah, he does kind of look like Keller. And then that was kind of like an inside joke for the rest of the course. And like Maxwell, Maxwell goes, man, I was taking a piss and, and Keller came up behind me and you know, tapped me on the shoulder. And he goes, I turned around and I saw that it was Keller. I automatically clenched my butt cheeks. <laughs> is, that, is that where the hip, the finish of the hip pinch from? <laughs> so, so Josh, you're such a good teacher. You're, you're getting people to learn do moves without even saying a word, man. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was one of those funny things. And then, of course, now you've lost all your hairs. So you don't look like him. So I, th- I think it was all on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on the RKC now, because you've been involved in one shape or another for a long time. And then, and then what you think of this whole divide between Strong First and RKC as well? You know, I, I'm going to try to be a bit PC about it, only from the standpoint of, you know, my involvement with the RKC really sort of faded for the past probably four years or so, uh-huh. um, only because I really wanted to emphasize what we were doing, and I thought we were on a slightly different path. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to say I have insider information that no one has, and I really don't, but all I can say is, you know, it's interesting, and, you know, I think, you know, the two different companies maybe had different visions of where they want to go forward with, you know, I've only had the opportunity to really talk to John Duquesne and, you know, not really so much about the split as m- more like the vision of what he wants, you know, Dragon Door to move forward being. And, you know, I think that's how we sort of fit into it. He just wanted to have a, the ability, I guess, to, to bring in more different concepts, ideas and coaches. Sure. And to me, that was the most exciting part, you know, whether or not what happens with the kettlebell side, I don't really get to say, um, it, it, you know, I don't know what's happening with the other, other group, but, I think, you know, I'd love to see us evolve the system. I, I think there's things that, you know, we could make better. And hopefully, you know, as the sort of dust settles, that opportunity will come about. Um, whether it does, I don't know. But I, I think, you know, it's been a system of 11 years or so that there's things that we can make it more directed towards the people that we're really getting an opportunity to work with. And, you know, like anything, we can always make it better. Our system is not the same year in and year out. And I hope I hope it never will be because that means we're not growing and changing. Right. Right. Now, the only reason I ask is because I've noticed that there, I've seen much more proliferation of new talent in Dragon Door since the split. People such as yourself and John Bruni, who's an, another great guy I respect. I've seen, I've seen Dragon Door publish your books and push your stuff out there. So I was just curious if, it's, if, you, if you find that it's a little bit more decentralized now as opposed to when, oh, when, pa- when, when Pavel was there, it was really about him for the most part, which I'm not saying is a bad thing because he and John started the things together, but that's just, that was just a fact. It was, it was focused on him, and then everyone else was kind of subjugated to a subordinate position. And now, from what I can see, and I don't look at this a whole lot, but what I can see is a lot of new talent is being promoted, such as yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that was John's goal. I mean, I think you know, if if the split was going to be what what it became, and I don't know necessarily if either party really wanted it to happen, it just ended up happening. Um, that John wanted to not have that same model anymore. That he did, he you know, in some ways, I'm sure you know, good did, did both parties benefit from the model, like you said, that was in, installed previously, of course. Um, but I think the opportunity of doing something fresh and new was also exciting to John and being able to branch out to things he was interested in and he thought that maybe the community would be uh, more encompassing than, than exclusion exclusionary. Um, I think it's something that he wanted to aim towards and we'll see over the next few years how that sort of falls to. I think, you know, to be very honest, I think it's a little bit confusing to the community 
Um, they've been hammered for so long, you know, one specific thought process and, and, and to sort of, you know, basically do a 180 of going, hey, we're going to bring in a whole bunch of different stuff. It's a little <laughs> right. bit overwhelming. Right. And um, so it's going to take some time probably for the community to, I guess, figure it all out and to become more welcoming of these new ideas. I mean, we saw it just in, in our stuff being introduced where people are like, well, what is this? And oh, why, why do I need this? And, you know, how, how is lifting 100 pounds actually going to make me strong? And, you know, all this sort of, you know, overreaction right. to things right. versus going, okay, I, I see what they're trying to do. And I see how, you know, we want to, we want to make more of a, uh, you know, John's goal as he verbalized to me was making a, a place that could be really a one-stop uh, place for strength conditioning. And that means that you're going to have to open up the doors to a lot more things. Right, right, right. Well, cool stuff, man. And what do you, what do you have going up? Yeah, I know you said you're, you're doing a course in Moscow. Are you doing anything in the States? you have any events coming up? Uh, yeah, you know, we have um, – some some of our DVRT certifications coming up in Phoenix, uh, in Northern California, and um, we also John um, has been gracious enough to let us do a combination of uh, HKC and DVRT level ones oh, cool. in both Dallas and um, Torrance. I had, had a brain moment there, um, <laughs> you know. And, and I think we'll we actually are just launching our correctives program that we'll launch in LA and uh, New York as developed by. Um, Mitch Halshett, who's the uh, director of injury prevention and uh, strength conditioning over at uh, Missouri State University. So it's been a really cool program to work with him in developing. So those are all be, uh, new things that are going to be coming out this uh, the rest of 2014. Awesome. Very cool. And where can people pick up your book and find out more information about your system? Sure. They can do both at dvrtfitness.com. Um, they can subscribe to our newsletter. We don't spam people. We try to make it always content rich, you know, train right. videos, train tips. So uh, they can definitely do that there. The book uh, is on the website as well. So we're more than welcome. Uh, any questions or people checking out the site. Perfect. Cool stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming on. We know you're a busy guy and keep up the great work. We we'll look forward to having you back again sometime. I appreciate Thanks the opportunity, gentlemen. Hoping uh, I didn't ruin the rest of the month for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you know. We'll make it. We'll make it public if our numbers drop. <laughs> just enough, to, just to enough. give credit where credit's due. You know? <laughs> I'll look for the tagging on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. You have a good day. Thanks Take care, again. Take care. And again, as our friend Josh Henkin, check out his book, DVRT, The Ultimate Standbag Training System. You can type his name in on YouTube as well. You'll see a lot of clips come up and check out his system. Definitely, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things where it's not something where you feel like you have to do his system. But it's like he said, be open-minded to trying some stuff that's new. It's different right. than what you're doing. Because I can tell you one thing. I've been working out hard since I was 18 and I'm 40 now. And the reason why I've been able to keep my enthusiasm as high is because you're open-minded to trying new stuff. You know, if, if I were doing the same workouts I did back when I was 18 now, I, there's no way I would have lasted this long because right. you would have been bored out of your mind. And I'm a guy who can put my nose down and, and really focus on the basics, but it keeps your enthusiasm high when you're trying out new modalities, especially when you try something new and you're not good at it at all. That yeah, is exciting man. to me You're because like, now oh. I realize, man, I, if I suck this bad at this, <laughs> yeah, imagine yeah. how much better I'll be at everything else when I get decent at this. Exactly. So I, I actually have the opposite effect that a lot of people have where they'll try something new and they're not good at it and they immediately throw it to the curb, the wayside, because they don't want to start over again. And I, I think it's a, it's healthier to have the opposite where you you get excited about something. And, and we could say the same thing about business, right? If you just do the same thing year after year after year, it's going to get boring. 
And it's important to have a lot of interests where you're constantly learning new things because you never know how that'll change the whole trajectory of your business. Exactly. I was just about to say, and when you're looking at something like when you're adding some new training modality and it's challenging like that, you start thinking like, okay, you know, why is this happening? And then also, how can this benefit what I'm already used to? How can this help improve that? Like, can I connect these two things together and make what what it is that I'm used to a lot better? And that's the same thing. Even with business, same thing. You start looking at other things, you know, how can this help improve my current business? And it just adds more excitement to it that way, man. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's one thing you guys can do to improve the trajectory of your life right now, and that's to use coupon code LLA to go get the best nutrition supplements you're ever going to find at MikeMahler.com. Use LLA. Get on my testosterone booster. I mean, this thing's been out for over a year now. If you haven't tried it, shame on you. You're missing out. <laughs> you know, it's an awesome product. Get on my Restorezyme. If you heard the episode with Dr. William Wong, you, you should realize loud and clear that getting on systemic enzymes is not only great for your health, but it's going to improve your workouts and everything else you're trying to do. And then get on my Recover L. Improve some sleep at night. Get your magnesium, your zinc. And then use that coupon code to get my T-shirts at 10% off, my DVDs, my eBooks, basically just about everything you see on my website. Yep. And what can they use with that? What can they get out of your website? And then you can use the same coupon code LLA over at NewWarriorTraining.com. You'll get 10% off of my weight management course 101. Talking about, you know, being open-minded and pretty much learning something new, even to add to the things you already knew. This is the perfect course for that. So just because, okay, I train this way and I've been eating this way and this is what's been working, there's always room for improvement. And that's what this course is designed to do. And it really helps you truly understand the basics because sometimes you kind of just jump right into something because it looked cool or it sounded good at first. But then some of those things are not working out, a particular diet, a particular training program. Well, it just might be a couple things you need to tweak that are very simple. And it's just one of those aha moments. You're like, oh, man, come on. This was easy. How did I not know that? Well, you. Here's the thing. You know what you know. And that's the thing that we all have to just admit to ourselves. And right. we don't know everything. And that's the reason why I, you know, worked with someone to put this course together to really help you truly understand the basics because there's so much information out there and it can be so confusing. So how do you cater that to your specific needs? Well, one thing that we can agree on is the basics. Everything has to have a foundation and then you just build from there. And this is what helps you with that. So it's not something that's boring and like learning ABCs and one, two, threes or something like that when we talk about basics. No, but it's very interactive. You have PDFs, you have videos, you have audio, you have all these different tools to help you connect and have the information stick in your mind, which a lot of things that we're learning in this industry, especially just anything dealing with health and wellness a lot of that stuff doesn't stick because there's a lot of jargon that you don't understand or it's so simple that you get bored with it. So that's the whole reason why I worked with someone to put this program together. So it takes away the boredom. But at the same time, it doesn't talk down on you with a lot of big words to try to sound smart like so many people in this industry do to the point where you're like, oh, that sounds good. I'll, I'll buy into that. And then you realize, OK, that was BS. So you definitely want to check out the Weight Management 101 program. You can get 10 percent off with the coupon code LLA. And you can also get that with my bodyweight training DVDs. Again, getting down to the basics, but adding some fun to it. So, yeah. And pretty much anything else there, the wellness code book, all that at my website. Type in that coupon yeah. code. You, you know what people really need to think about is that you, you don't you, you're not you're not going to impress anyone by taking something simple and making it complex. Right. But but you will impress a lot of people by taking something complex and making it 
simple or more easier to digest. Right. And that's that's something, for example, Neil deGrasse Tyson does, oh, right, yes. on that show Cosmos. Yeah, I he, love that takes, dude, man. Yeah, he takes very interesting concepts, and he's a very smart guy. He could e- he could easily just bang out a bunch of jargon that none of us understand just to show us how smart he is, but he does the opposite. He takes complex ideas and m- breaks them down where the average person can understand most of it. You make science fun for people that don't like science. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I mean, that's what you want to do in business as well. When I, when I'm studying hormone optimization, I don't I don't think about how to memorize all these new terms I've come across. I think about okay, how do I explain this in a way that the average person will understand? Right. Because when people understand it, they get excited about it. When they don't understand it, it's like what Josh was saying. He's talking to this guy, and it's, at some point he lost him because he wasn't relating to what this guy wanted. And once he brought it back to being able to relate to the person in front of him, then he got the interest back. Yep. So that that's an important concept to think of is think about how to take complexity and explain it in a way where the average person understands, and you're going to get a lot more out of it. Now, I just want to leave you with one thing here. We have – a, li- a super lineup of guests in June. So I just want you to get excited about that. We have it's Rob real. Wolf. A okay. lot of people have. A lot of people have wanted to. You guys have a lot of vegans and vegetarians on. How about a paleo guy? It's like okay, well we're not going to just get any paleo guy. We're going to get the paleo guy, Rob right. Wolf, who is a stand-up guy. He's a very interesting guy. It's going to be great to have him on the show. Then we have Frank Shamrock coming on. We have Brett Contreras coming on. We have Andrew Derniat. Kim Blackburn and his son Mitch are going to come on. That's going to be a fun episode. Clarence Bass, this guy is badass, man. man. Seventy-five years old, and he <laughs> is ripped to shreds. He just—I don't know if you got the books sincere, but he sent me—he sent me some of his books, and then he asked for your address as well. This is about a week ago, so okay. if you didn't get it, if you haven't gotten it yet, you will soon this awesome, week. Man. Books oh. are cool, man. He's, he, I was just reading one of his books called Take Charge, where he goes through all these different studies on how strength training can improve aerobic capacity and the benefits of high-intensity high intensity running type of moves like sprinting and so forth, things like that, Tabata Protocol and, and different studies to back it up. So I'm reading this book, and I can't wait to get him on the show because there's so many interesting topics he's bringing up. And then July is looking stacked too, but I'm, I'm not even going to get into that. You know why? Because it's only May still. Right? <laughs> you don't need to get excited about July right now. Get excited about get June, excited about man. this episode and get excited about June because we have a stacked lineup. So anyway, folks, keep the support coming. We really appreciate it. Get on iTunes to give us a review. If you like the show, get on iTunes, get on Stitcher, get on your social media and tell people about Share it. Share it with the world. And, you know, get at us too. We're on Twitter too and, and yeah. Facebook. And exactly. guess what? We reply. We're not like a lot of other folks where you have like 15 comments on on a post and they say nothing. (laughs) I'm like, I just want to just go on those pages and give them the asshole award right there, especially when it has more than one person operating the fan page. So let's just say if it's like a group and six guys in the group, not one of you dickheads can actually reply to a fan. I'm like, come on, it's not all. Come on, man. Come on. Seriously, exactly. these are the people that are keeping you going and the reason why you even have a career. So, you know, give something back. I mean, unless you, it's like a fan that's like an idiot. You know, so it's not even a fan. It's just somebody just saying something. And even then, post a reply. So, and then let your fans take care of him too. <laughs> that's usually what happens. So, so cool, everybody. All right, that's going to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs>